Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Pake. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the new Netflix limited series from Mike Flanagan on Netflix, Midnight Mass. This week we're covering the second episode titled Book Two, Psalms. Psalms. Um, mm-hmm. Man, oh man. I <laughs> Before we get too far into the episode, because I'm, I have so much to say, I'm yeah. still continuing to celebrate our four years. So, because we're almost out, of, we're almost into October, out of September, and September, it's been four years since we started Strange Indeed. So I'm going to milk it for all it's worth <laughs> while we're <laughs> while yeah. we're still in September because I forgot it when it really happened. <laughs> it yeah, happened there you so go. Fast. So I'm getting it in while I can. But anyway, <laughs> um, we talked about it on our last recording. But one more time before October ends, um, I wanted to say again in case anyone missed it, I. I wholeheartedly thank everyone for being a part of this and being on this journey with us, all of our listeners, um, everyone that has helped um, me and Sean in the beginning and Paik um, being with me now on this journey and everyone that's helped um, me behind the scenes keep this going, all of our special guests um, that have, um, you know, jumped on here and and co-hosted with us um, and just help keep things going and encouraging me along the way when, um, you know, it almost kind of could have potentially come to an end. So thank you, everyone. Um, so celebrating that four years, I'm happy to be here. And I'm super stoked to be sitting here getting ready to talk about this second episode. And I'm asked, Pake, I still can't even come down. Like, I feel like I'm floating on the ground. Like this, <laughs> this episode just has me so excited. Yeah. What are, oh. what, what, what are your general thoughts? You you mentioned right before we started recording that you just have tons and tons of I've notes. I've got a lot of notes, so. yeah. Man, it's... This show, yeah, I mean, what I, I knew it would be is like this. The scary stuff has definitely shown up. This this episode finally had some moments where I was literally like on the edge of my seat going like, fuck, yes. fuck, 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 no, 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 don't, don't, no, ah, I don't like it. I'm like shielding the screen. Yes. Like, I don't want to see what happens next. And then, uh, but then also... Yeah, just like the emotional stuff, like, you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a point later about some of what, what Riley mm-hmm. went through and mm-hmm. and things. But then also just, I'll, I'll try not to get too into it personally some, but like, but the, like I said, like the religious stuff in here, I'm like, it yeah. is very interesting to me now. And I, I mentioned this, you know, in the first episode we talked about is like coming from like, coming from that background and now mm-hmm. kind of being ex- religious you know it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to look at it being on both sides of it it's like yes. man a lot of this stuff is very intriguing to me and i'm glad to get to kind of break it down and talk about some of it i know and i feel like i just uh, this one was um like i have tons of notes and i have so much i want to talk about but i still feel like i am so ill prepared to talk about this one because i feel like we could just keep talking about so many different things and go down um, deep dives and rabbit holes mm-hmm. um, talking about this episode. Um, it, <sighs> yeah, this one was pretty emotional for me as well um, for many, many reasons, which I'm really um, excited to talk to you about. So let's go ahead and, and just jump in with our top right. five. What is your number five? All right. 
I'm going to kind of start in the same place I did last week. So, okay. <laughs> sorry, we're going to start the number five off real heavy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to talk about, I just call it the speech, even though it kind of comes from Riley and Father Paul. But it's this, like, the AA meeting between the two of them. Oh, yes, um, please. Uh, I do love the little moment where uh, Riley is kind of going off on his thoughts about the rec center and things like that. And then it leads him on a little tangent about churches and the way that they, you know, suck the life out of towns. And I just mm-hmm. love Father Paul going, okay, so we can safely say you're not practicing. And I was just like that. I laughed at that. It's like, I did too. <laughs> but you got to hand it too. to Riley for, for taking this moment. Where he was like, it's just me and you. And like, I can really say, you said like, all right, I can't offend you. And we're going to be honest and everything. He's like, so I'm putting all the cards on the table right now. It's- Exactly. And yeah. So again, without, I mean, my own personal thoughts and feelings are going to bleed over a little bit. I'm going to try to be as level as I can, but I'm going to apologize if anybody gets offended or anything by anything that I say. Then, sorry, let me know. Um, but you know, but it is an honest complaint. And I was like, you know, not necessarily about religion or the religion, Catholicism, Christianity, whatever in general, but like the idea of like mega churches getting money pumped into them constantly tax free while the people and communities around them are still suffering like it's something to think about it is a problem <laughs> i couldn't agree more yes and so our problems he talks about that and then i was glad that he brought up rr uh it doesn't really operate much anymore i was looking into it like it's oh okay practically defunct like there's still some groups that meet but it's not as well established as AA still is. But so even if it, you know, you find something different than RR specifically, it is a good model for a great alternative to AA in recovery. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, for, with a non-religious approach for some people, I think that might be really helpful. So it's at least good that they mentioned there's other things out there for people. So it was kind of a little like PSA within the dialogue yeah, of the episode. Like, I think that's nice. If cause... you're struggling, there's, you know, there are other alternatives. If you're not a religious type, you might find something. Yep. I like that too. But yeah, but the main hunk of this, it's just, it's just going to be me talking forever. But I wanted to go <laughs> ahead. I wrote down his entire speech, this the entire, all of Riley's dialogue oh gosh, from here. That's ambitious. I was hoping yeah. I've been trying to find a, a, like a TV scripts website for, for mm-hmm. Midnight Mass and I cannot find one. Oh, for I just I've like paused so it after time. every line of dialogue and oh typed it out and then. Yeah, well, bless I took some you. Time on it. Bless you and your efforts. Let's hear it. And so maybe, you know, it aligns with my way of thinking a little bit. Uh, but I don't want to feel like I'm preaching or anti-preaching to people. Um, but it was just so, like, beautifully and emotionally delivered. And it lets us really see the character of Riley. And yeah. it, it pays off in some of the stuff we see in the episode right after that. So, mm-hmm. so I went ahead and put it down. So I'll just try to go through it real quick. He says, no, alcohol isn't good or bad. But the version of me that would come out when I had enough to drink, he was bad. He was selfish and careless, and he ruined my life. There's a saboteur inside of me. And I always thought we, you know, we'd work it out. We'd learn to live with each other, because he couldn't really hurt me. Not me. I fed him, so he wouldn't hurt me. And then one morning I woke up and found out he killed someone. I had killed someone. So who's to blame there? I'm to blame there. And God? He just kind of let it happen, didn't he? See that? That's the part I cannot square. Because you're right. There's so much suffering in the world. So much. And then there's this higher power, this higher power who could erase all that pain, just wave his hand and make it all go away, but doesn't? No. No, thank you. The worst part is that it all the worst part is that it lets all the rest of us off the hook. We can all just stand by and watch Lisa Scarborough wheel herself around town. We can watch Joe Colley slowly drink himself to death. 
We can watch so many people just slip into these bottomless pits of of awful, and we can and we can stand it. We can tolerate it because we can say things like God works in mysterious ways, like like there's a plan, like something good's going to come out of it. Nothing good came out of my drinking. Nothing ca- good came out of me killing that poor girl. Nothing good came out of Joe Colley's drinking, and not a single good thing comes out of Lisa never being able to walk again. Nothing good comes out of a metric ton of crude oil filling up the bay. And the only thing, the only fucking thing that lets people stand by, watching all this suffering, doing nothing, doing fucking nothing, is the idea that suffering can be a gift from God. What a monstrous idea, Father. And Paul reacts at first just by nodding and saying yeah a yeah. couple times. He's, he's yeah. taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. And then he gives a great answer. And I wanted to kind of give the, the counterpoint for those people who might be listening that are more on the side of Father Paul in this situation. So I gave, I wrote down what he said, too, in his answer. It's a pretty good answer. He says, look, there's nothing in the scripture, or in the world for that matter, that suggests God negates personal accountability. There's certainly nothing in the program to suggest that. Not at all, in fact. I believe God can take our work, even our, even our awful work, and turn them into something else. I know he can find the good in them and find the love in them, whether we see it or not. That I know. Riley Flynn, that I know. Which is an interesting counterpoint, and I know it's something that I considered and battled with a lot as a believer myself mm-hmm. when I was through that, is this kind of dichotomy of does God allow bad things to happen or cause bad things to happen or in order for some great plan, or do these things happen outside of his hand and then he finds a way to put these pieces together and form them into something new and something good? It's this theological construct that people have battled with and thought about for ever, and it's... Yes. And so that the show tackles it in a way where it shows both sides of things pretty evenly, and you really get to like dive into, this is what people deal with with religion and theology, whether it's like alcohol in this situation, whether it's not good or bad inherently, it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And oh so, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful stuff. And gosh, I, I'm not going to stop talking about it because it's still just astounds me and just amazes me and delights me to see um you know the casting on this show like yeah Zach Guilford again just knocking it out of the park um mm-hmm. in this episode again and with that speech there during the AA conversation um and he, yeah I, I it really hit a lot of points for me as well mm-hmm. um and issues that that my own personal issues I've had um growing up you know, in the Catholic Church and the views that I have today and um, the th- thoughts and feelings that I that I had growing up and and some thoughts that I have today. And yeah. it was, it really touched me and boy, it struck a chord for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Um, but I also love Paul, Father Paul's side of it too, you know, yeah. um, and, and, he, he's fantastic. I love Hamish Linklater. He's yeah. so fantastic. I'm going to talk about him more too. Um, but a really fabulous scene between the two and talking about, you know, um, the struggles uh, from like from someone from Riley's point of view and talking about religion and addiction. Yeah. Um, but I so, think yeah. in that speech, in other words, because I, I considered, I was like, ah, do I really want to read that? Because like. I don't want people to feel like I'm doubling down on like, yep, Riley's so right. God's bad. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't, you know, want to be like that. But I'm then, not here to tell anyone. Yeah, exactly. Anything I feel but, <laughs> you do you, man. But what you pushed know. me over the line of being like, no, I, I want to read it 
is the little part in there where he talks about, I mean, he really focuses on Lisa and her situation Mm -hmm. and using that as a very like stout example of why what Father Paul is saying is wrong. Because that, I think, is the reason Paul decides to do what he does at the end of this episode with Lisa. Yeah, I think so, too. It's because of what Riley tells him. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, Yeah, I think a lot plays into that. And I know we're going to talk more about that. Whew. Boy, you're you're starting off your number five with some pretty, I'm the ground running. <laughs> pretty deep, deep stuff. I mean, I feel like that's just where we're going to have to go. The show has mm-hmm. a lot of deep uh, material and deep contact. So it's probably going to be a lot of our points in talking about some yeah. some deep stuff. Um, that was great. Great number five. Uh, well, my number five, I thought, um, let me tell you about starlings. Can we talk about starlings? Starlings. And- <laughs> <laughs> So, it's like 2002, right? Right out of the yeah. sky. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so we we, which is what's great. Uh, uh, so far, what we're seeing about the show, we're only in episode two, but you know, we start off right where we left off um, mm-hmm. on the beach with the cats that have washed ashore, um, and you know, we get uh, Mayor Wade who comes up and informs um, the sheriff. Um, you know, about the flock of starlings that fell out of the sky. And, and, you know, it's like this disaster of biblical proportions. And, um, you know, and then we've got the sheriff might believe that, you know, well, it could be um, parasitic. It could be um, some type of infection, you know, that, that's sweeping. And um, it's just really interesting to see everyone's thoughts and feelings about what occurred yeah. and what I um, and, and, you know, and of course, in his Ned Flanders way, the mayor is <laughs> such a great comparison is <laughs> <laughs> going on and on about this story about in 2002, the starlings fell out of the sky. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, I'm not quite sure what, what got into him. I don't think we saw him behave that way in the, in the previous episode, yeah. he seemed pretty quiet and, you know, just you know, doing his thing or whatever, but he, he, I was like, what is gotten into this dude? I, don't I know. know if it he was, was like, having... he was trying to like brush everything under the rug and like, just come up with a quick like excuse and move on. I was like, what is he yeah. doing? It's like, oh, they, they all drowned. Oh, well, oh, then they were attacked. Maybe they attacked each other. Eh, who cares? <laughs> right. And then he was, and I mean, I wonder if he was, well, and I think maybe part of it was also like, do they need like some other disaster to make people flee this island? Right. Maybe um, because we know, and and I mean, he ch- they were talking about like, oh, could it have been oil, like chemicals, you know, like another chemical spill mm-hmm. or some sort of environmental disaster, like they've already lived through. Nope, not that. But um, you know, I think that there's probably concern. You know, that island is diminishing, and you mm-hmm. know, if too many people leave, who's he going to be a mayor of? It's a good you point. Know? So I wonder if he's maybe concerned that people start freaking out about like some something happening some disaster that's causing this that um people are just gonna pick up and leave again like we're we're, we're out of here what the hell's going on you know around here um but one thing that i i really love not just this conversation which was just very entertaining to watch this exchange between the sheriff and um mayor wade was Mm -hmm. did you notice how it was like a long shot it's like a Mm -hmm. seven minute long shot I have that written down in my notes. Is it's the entire first scene is like a one take, long shot with characters popping in and out. It starts with the sheriff and then Wade, and then it ends with Riley heading off to like 
go to the, you know, I guess not go quite to the ferry because he was going to help burn the cats and stuff first. But right. but it kind of just shifted storylines in all in one take. Yeah. And I love when Mike Flanagan does that because it takes oh us back God. to, I mean. Haunting of Hill House. Hill House with the, the, storm. the funeral home scene and that storm. And yeah. yeah. Oh so good. I just, I love that man so much. He dazzles mm. me with his camera work. And, and look, I, um, I am not, I don't think, good enough to sit here and say if there were cuts and where they were. If yeah. there were, then they were so beautifully done that you couldn't tell. There might have yeah. been maybe one or two because of the, intri- in, in the, like, the intricate manner of having to do the long shot like yeah. that. So, look, either way, um, it was absolutely beautifully done, the way that they would kind of circle around the characters mm-hmm. um, and then go around and then like you said diff- this character would come in this character would leave and another one would come in and you had all these different storylines I mean I could barely pay attention I, like I had to rewind it twice um, <laughs> on my first watch because I was so dazzled by yeah. the camera work that I was completely missing the conversation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm like you because I'm just like oh my god this is so beautiful so wonderful and I know I'm such a nerd that you know I keep talking about you know these the camera work but I mean it just really is a brilliant way of, of shooting and I just really want people yeah. to appreciate it um that it's it's just it's really and the fact that it was outside mm-hmm. I mean it's one thing to do the inside but it's I can't imagine the the setup and and the perfect timing of everyone. It's like theater with blocking, making sure you have to have everything right. Yeah. Yes. But you have to throw the person operating the camera into that blocking to make sure they're not in the way of somebody else or. Exactly. I mean, it all has to work perfectly. And if not, you've got to like start all over again, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and make it work. So it's just, it's a beautiful piece of work, a fantastic opening. Um, and I just I love the exchanges and the interactions between um, everyone there in town, and you really mm-hmm. kind of get to know the characters a little bit, yeah. you know. Because um, I saw some online or web people being like, you know, well, some of that dialogue was pointless. Like, why are they like, like this doesn't add to it? It's just so long because they're just like, well, you got to give people time to get to where they're supposed to be in frame. So you let that dialogue breathe. You let them just go on and on, even if it doesn't serve the story necessarily. It's serving what they're doing because then you get this kind of shot and you get this very organic looking like, yeah, these people would just be talking about nothing at some points until somebody else would walk in. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm sure anyone um, who's grown up in a very small community or maybe even a small island community like this one, and I came from a very small town this could this conversation could have been taken from my block that I grew right. up on, you know. <laughs> I mean, growing up in when I was young in this tiny community, I can promise you, I knew a handful of like people in my community that talked just like that, you know, mm-hmm. the way that they interacted and just the conversations that they had, and just the like normalcy of like the 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 day to day conversation and how they're going to deal with this situation going on. So I don't know. I thought it was something, there was something beautiful about it um, and something definitely there to appreciate. Yeah. And just the, the camera work alone, it was worth it, whether or not you appreciated the, the dialogue. So I loved it. And that's where I was going to start with my number five was just that, that beginning and, and how, how much I appreciated that. Nice. Um, so number four, what is yours? A lot shorter and quicker to the point than my first <laughs> okay. one, but uh, but no, it's just um, the, uh, some of the conversations and stuff between Aaron and Riley. Okay. This episode, their relationship, 
I thought was great. I mean, it starts in that scene that we were just talking about where she kind of comes down and he's the toxocatmosis or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is what he calls it. Uh, But, you know, just there's like it's part of that small everyday conversation that's just, yeah, that's what you, you know, just talk about anything when there's not really anything. This is the most exciting thing that's happened here in forever. Yeah, I'm going to say let the people have their thrills, man. It's a small community. Probably not a lot happens. (laughs) But just they're they're back and forth, you know. He's just like, well, well, you know, just be careful and stay away from the cats in case she's like, well, don't tell me what to do, you know. They just have this really funny rapport. You can tell they've been close friends since kids, mm-hmm. like even though they've just kind of drifted apart. Now they're back together, but they've just picked up where they left off, and I think that's cool. And then when he comes back from AA, I love the Shark Tank bit between them, yeah. where they both just you know go into it. <laughs> they're just like both commit to the bit and. It's it's great writing. It's hilarious. And I just love that. Especially Riley kind of wrapping it up. Is, is evening morning sickness worse than morning morning sickness? Oh, substantially. See, for those reasons, I am out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. Great conversation. And, uh, but then they have some really, like, very open and honest conversations that really shows Aaron and her relationship with her mother and mm-hmm. we did learn she, a little bit more she has no problem just talking about the faults of her mother and you know she even says during that shark tank conversation it was like you know and then you go to city council and you're slut shamed but not really by bev keen which by the way she really misses your awful mother by the way which she just calls her mother awful just throwing it away and then yeah. which when she's talking to bev in that uh supply closet where she says funny because at home she never met a bottle she couldn't empty uh you know Mm. she just throws these things out there i mean savage yeah her own mother (laughs) right yeah and and then while they're at the the crock pot luck uh they talk about it a little bit more right before the the situation with pike goes down they are talking about that same thing where they're talking about the drink tickets and it's just these like small conversations that really open up their relationship but then also aaron kind of talking about her own mother and you know, her mother's alcoholism and the bad memories and things that she said, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, these drink tickets. It's funny that, you know, you're in recovery and I'm pregnant, so we can't even use them. It's like, but my mom, she would just go around and round up all the ones that people wouldn't, weren't going to use. And then she would just hit it hard. And then she's like, and then the night of the potluck was always terrible at my home. And she's just open about that. She, and she's kind of Riley reads through it and is like, yeah, you're scared that you're going to end up like her, bitter and alone. It's like, but you're not. You're great. You're better than her. And I... I love those conversations with them. Yeah, I love that they you can they have a, a natural ease and chemistry with each other, mm-hmm. and it, it plays really well. I wasn't sure what I was going to think about those two, but um, I I enjoy their interactions greatly. You can see, even though they've been separated, we don't know quite how many years. Like mm-hmm. when Aaron ran away versus how long um, um, Riley's been away. Um, and off island, but um, yeah. it seems like the years kind of melted away between them mm-hmm. a little bit. So that's good. I love it. <laughs> yeah, more of those two, please. Um, well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit um, for my number four about some of the occurrences happening on this episode. Um, <laughs> some changes, some miracles. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's only the second episode and I don't have it all figured out. And so I know that a, a lot of what I might say is completely 
just wrong and people who binge are probably like oh my god you're so far off base and <laughs> that's totally fine um i i'm i'm i have this theory where i'm wondering maybe could the sacrifices that are being made in this episode um allowing for these changes and the miracles that are happening such as the cats dying mm. the cats deaths um we have bowls. I'm I I mm-hmm. I, I don't I'm guessing think he makes death. it out of that. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We're always, you know, if there's no body, they didn't die, right? Right. Um so we didn't technically see his body, but I'm guessing he's dead. I don't know if we'll ever see his body or get that confirmation, but yeah. um so I'm wondering if what is happening with the the deaths and the sacrifices are allowing for these changes and miracles happening. So the cats have died, and some of the things that we've noticed, like Anne, Riley's mom, mm-hmm. not needing her glasses anymore. Yep. Glasses came off. She all of a sudden is like, hey, these glasses make my eye, eyes blurry. She takes them off. She can see great. And then she doesn't wear them for the re- remainder of the episode. Yeah. Um, but then when Riley, or sorry, Bull, I'm guessing is dead and mm-hmm. has made a sacrifice is th- that allowing or um, making it possible for Lisa's miracle of walking again. Ooh. I don't Ooh. know. You just took like know. some of my points from later and like really put them in a different light. I like that. <laughs> I want to explore everything. Yeah. I, I have other thoughts too, because here's another one. And maybe this is where I, I don't know what your point is, um, and I hope I'm not taking it away. So I'm no, sorry. No. What you mentioned last week, and I don't think I gave you enough um, mention or credit for it. You mentioned um, I keep saying last week, and it was really just a few days ago when we recorded yeah. that episode. Our yeah, last I have episode. last week in my notes too, but yeah. and it's like it was three <laughs> days ago. Okay, it was just a few days ago. <laughs> um, but you mentioned something, so you get this credit about because uh, we were talking about the wine. You said, mm-hmm. "What if? What if there's something in that wine?" Well, I and think it was somebody who called in or wrote. I think that was a listener. Was it? Was it a listener response? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, whomever, and I'm sorry if I'm not whoever said that gets all the credit. Um, mm-hmm. If there was something in the wine, because we did talk about, hey, yeah, the the, the altar boys went in because they had to, mm-hmm. and I don't know the correct procedural terms. I was never. Uh, an, an altar while well, I'm a girl so they didn't have altar girls at altar boys yeah. I never did that but um, they were supposed to be putting all of that together for the the mass and the, there was the wine was already done Yeah, and um, I think it was mentioned that what if there was something in the wine and it was like oh you know what yeah and then I, I made a reference to the visual because again Mike Langan doesn't really make mistakes with his camera work he everything kind of serves a purpose or most things mm-hmm. serve a purpose and when they had that overhead shot you know he's holding up the uh, the the goblet I'm just gonna call it a goblet because I don't know the proper term um, with the mm-hmm. wine and it's looking down into the wine it just very just focuses it so much on on that wine um, could there be something in that wine mm-hmm. that I have, has something so to do with it as well? I'm going to pull one of my notes from from my number two later. Just I'll get to the, I'll I'll go around the other ones, but okay. But since you're talking about it, because yeah, I noticed the so the first little miracle moment, which I completely missed it the first watch. I really picked up on it the second time I watched the episode was when Anne pricks herself while sewing and realizes she doesn't need her glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but what ties into it is like with the wine stuff. She is one of only like four or five people. 
who are at the daily mass, who are drinking the wine every day. Yep. And, you know, who are the other people? Lisa. Yep. Bev. Which, there's some stuff going on with her that we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, does this have an effect on her and why she's doing what she's doing? Like, I don't know. It's like, But it seems like the, the things that are happening are happening to the small group of people who are going to the daily mass and partaking of this wine every day. Well, and can we talk a minute about who's not taking the wine? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we know Riley is not taking the wine because he's mm-hmm. he's um, not partaking in communion out of respect mm-hmm. that, you know, since he's not a believer and feels yeah. it would be disrespectful, he's holding back. Um, yeah. Aaron does not because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe does not because he just doesn't go to church. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to be welcome by the community, which I know we'll talk more about, but, um, doesn't seem he attends church and, um, partakes. Um, oh, Sarah, the doctor mm-hmm. does not, she doesn't, she doesn't seem to be, um, you know, much of a believer anymore. Um, so she does not go. Um, and there, there could be more because they do talk about, you know, how the congregation attendance kind of shifts. You know, it, this episode focused on um, the beginning of Lent. Yeah. Um, and you do kind of, you know, <laughs> you see it. The churches are, you know, week by week, you know, it's kind of the same people that just come every time. But then like Easter, Christmas, it, the, it's packed full or yeah. Lent, it's packed full. It, it's, yeah, I saw that as a kid um, and mm-hmm. then growing up, too. So, um so there there could be some that aren't there as much, but I think it's just interesting. And then how he makes an effort, which isn't too far out of character for a priest, or in this case, right. a monsignor, to visit, make a home visit. Priests do make home visits to mm-hmm. um, the, the homebound for folks who are sick or ill, or if they've had an accident and they're homebound, he will go to their homes. I mean, that's just known, at least in yeah. my community, with yeah. Catholic priests that they will go to your home and they'll perform a short, shorter version of the mass and give you communion if you like or whatever. So it wasn't too far out of the norm to see Father Paul go to um, the doctor's house to see her mother and perform mm-hmm. a little um, mass for her. But it just was interesting that he's very much wanting to make sure that that happens and that she yeah. takes the wine. So I don't know what the hell's going on and if any of this stuff is related or not, but I just, I had to bring it up because I thought, well, we've got sacrifices that are happening, but we've got like miracles happening and we're talking about, you know, talking about suffering and taking the, or finding the good that can come out of the suffering and what's cool about, you know, I mean, we got somebody who can now see without her glasses and we've got a girl who was in a tragic accident at such a young age and was, is, was wheelchair bound because of it and is now able to walk. Yeah. Um, so, ah, I don't know. I don't think I'm making any damn sense. No, I, don't I think totally, I had a true point in there anywhere, but I just have to get it out and talk about it. <laughs> I, I completely see where you're going with that. And I think you're on to something. I like that a lot. It is, it plays into that. Yeah. Suffering into the greater good kind of mentality. And, you know, you sacrifice one, so you can heal or help or whatever the other. What the greater picture for that would be if that's going on, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I just had to get it out. It's I'm, I'm just bubbling. <laughs> I feel like I am just bursting with 
all of this that I have to get out and talk about, and I'm I'm just I know I'm not going to get everything that I want to say <laughs> this episode, or else we'd be recording for like a four hour podcast or something. <laughs> but we're not going to do that. Don't worry, guys. No. Um, okay, um, what is your number three? All right, so my number three, I want to talk about. I don't know what to call it right now, other than just the monster in my oh notes, because yeah. that's what it just seems to be. Whatever this figure, creature, apparition, appearance, vampire—I don't know. It's um, getting dark here too, so I'm, I'm. If I see a gl- glowing <laughs> set of eyes anywhere near oh, me, right. I'm out of here, Peg. Just fair warning. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they give us its introduction in this episode with its point of view. Something is flying over the island. So goes over cool. Uker again. He sees it again. Um, but then it goes and it lands in this condemned house that we then come back around to later at the end of the episode. But uh, but then we just kind of forget about it, move on and go into a lot of the story for a lot of the episode until after that big AA scene, Erin uh, is sitting there drinking her tea, looking at old pictures of her and Riley. And she hears the sounds of something up on her roof, walking around and then coming down off the roof. And she goes to the window to go check it out. Why? Why, Aaron? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, and this was that moment where I was legitimately freaked out, where I'm sitting there screaming, no, 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 no. I don't want to just, just, no, don't do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Don't go to the window, dummy. But uh, I'm glad she did because then I got the visual of, I got, I got really excited because it's one of my favorite kind of horror visuals. Um I rewatched it several times because I love these kind of things where the figure is there the mm-hmm. entire time. Like you don't see him until he moves mm-hmm. the first time because you just it's not something you think to focus on. But then if you go back and rewatch it, which I did way more than I probably should have, yes. um, the second that it shows what she's looking out the window, you can see the figure standing there. The eyes are glowing. It's there. I know I moves. totally missed and the glowing eyes the first time too. I, did too. I didn't I didn't see him until he moved and I was like, yeah, Oh moved. my god, he was standing there what, the whole yeah. time. And that's what made me go, Okay, I'm rewinding it right now and I'm rewatching that, knowing where he moved from, and I'm gonna see if he's there. And he was. Yes, yes. And because that's similar to some moments in one of my favorite, like horrifying movies that I love so much called The Ritual, which hmm. people should go watch it on Netflix and then hear our coverage of it on Run for Your Lives. Selfless, uh, <laughs> selfish plug, really. Um, self promotion. Because um, yeah, that movie is so good. But it's a lot of the same things where it's like something is right there in clear view, but you don't know it unless you're looking for it. It's oh, it's so terrifying, and I, I love know, it so I much. Because it's uh, the, the some of the fun of to me, like in any scary or horror movie and especially like because i talk about jaws all the time i'm sorry i know i Mm -hmm. I go on about is when when you don't see exactly and and you can't quite see what that is i mean you know something's there but you can't make it out you don't know what it is is it man is it monster you know and and that to me is more terrifying than just about anything so yeah yeah. but yeah after aaron maybe sees something she's not Mm -hmm. sure whatever then she ends up going to Sarah, get a little baby checkup. She's got some spotting going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just, but they, they use that to get us over to Sarah's house. Which then, because then after Aaron leaves, her mother freaks out and has seen this same figure appear in her window. And it's like, you know, she's saying, oh, it looks like your father. And she's like, you know, I'm getting tired of having to explain to you that he's gone. Yeah. But it's rough. not like a 
dementia thing, though, because she's like, no, I know it wasn't him. It's something else. Like, she... It was almost like she had a lucid moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was but almost it's like a lucid moment. Very creepy. And then, like, after that, we get bowl, which we talked about. It was like, dude, that's on you. If a door swings open on a condemned house in the middle of the night while you're walking past it, you don't go check it out. You you run. Preferably, you get on a boat and you leave the island and never come back. Because uh, <laughs> wh- why? Like, the second he started, like, turned around and started going back, who's in there? I was like, well, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Like, of course... Especially when it starts mimicking your voice back to you. Like, fuck, that, leave. What are you doing? Kind of asking for what happened. Um. <laughs> uh, well, in and, and, and uh. this specific moment, because it, it got me so much um, and scared the hell out of me, was my number mm. one. So I'll just, oh, nice. you know, um, <laughs> yeah. talk about it with you. And I'm with you. Dude, what universe do we walk into a dark abandoned house late at night? You hear a creaking door. Now, granted, he didn't see it, but he heard it because it was like mm-hmm. his back was just a little bit. Um, and then you, when you walk up to the house and you call out and an echo, and, and I know it's not really an echo, but like when it repeats it back to you mm-hmm. and, it, and that's how it answers you, like, sir... Have you ever, have you never been educated about skinwalkers? <laughs> the hair on my arm stood up. I mean, mm-hmm. all over. And then that, this dark figure, I'm telling you, whatever yeah, cause it you is. Because he thinks it's like Hooker, like playing a prank on him or something. Like he's going through all these like other things. But then you get to those glowing eyes in the corner of the room and you're like, so then I even I could be like, oh, it's a cat or a raccoon or a dog or something. But then it stands up. And it's tall and the wings. And then you can tell Bull is like, oh, I fucked up Um, real bad. (laughs) Yep. Well, and it almost, um, I mean, again, it's surrounded by darkness, but you could almost, as it was rising, because, yeah, I saw like a hand and an arm. You almost saw hands or arms. So some sort of human, I'm going to say humanoid, because I don't know what the hell this thing is. I don't, I know I was like, oh my God, it's Father Polly's vampire. I, I I am still leaning on that. I have all these things I'm thinking about, but it's some kind of monster, creature, humanoid, figure, vampire. I don't know. Um, yeah. But it had some characteristics that I saw, like a, a little bit of a hand in the light mm-hmm. and like a, a shadow of an arm or something. So it does have at least, I think, hands or arms in some way. My God, this thing's going to make me lose my mind. Right. Um, it was so freaking scary to me. Um and yeah, I think that this thing is what was what landed on the roof of Aaron's house, which we did see, and you could hear it. I had the close, I had the captions on, so mm. when it's making the noise across her roof, and she's kind of tracking it, and then it makes the thud outside, yeah. so you know it like jumped off, um, mm-hmm. and then was outside in her bushes. So um, that was just entirely creepy i was also having um like signs flashbacks did you uh-huh. ever see signs i did where the um and sorry if this is a spoiler the movie's been out a long time guys it has. um <laughs> but when the alien is like up running around on top of the house and mm-hmm. then it jumps off and then it's like running around the house i had like flashbacks from that that moment scared the hell out of me from that movie so just yeah. like that weird unknown what the hell is able to do something like that mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, and then who did Sarah's mom see outside her window? Who who was out there, and why did she say that it was her father? There's a theory running around online. I don't know if I want to say it here or not, because I don't know if it's like a... 
I hope it didn't spoil me. It wasn't a spoiler because it's supposed to be for people that um, haven't watched ahead. It's supposed to be very specific um, yeah. to the episode. So I don't know if it's, um, I won't say it, but there's a theory as to why she is saying, you know, I, I saw your father out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. If you want to go look it up, you can. But um, yeah, it's going to make me lose my mind. This um, <laughs> this thing, and and I was already in a very like I had just um, watched again the newest Walking Dead episode, the one that was like, oh, super yeah. scary with the haunted house. <laughs> so um, good. I thought so good. Um, well, and I had podcasted with Jason about it. So hey, everyone, go check out the latest Walking Dead yeah. cast episode. Jason and I talk about that episode. Um, but I mean that episode was scary to me, had some very scary moments and was pretty damn yeah. intense. So I just watched that, just podcasted and talked about it and just wa- got my first watch in for this episode um, mm-hmm. late yesterday. So, and then I'm sitting here Googling and trying to, you know, um, looking up skinwalkers and I'm getting absolutely petrified and I'm in my bed and I've talked <laughs> many times about how I have this vision of something coming out from my bed. Like I'm so scared of something out from underneath my bed that I had this like vision of like some like weird feral person on all fours running out from underneath my bed, like going to grab me. I mean, (laughs) I am, I'm in a really dark place. I need to watch like, Bake Off. I know. We um, need the new next episode of Bake Off. We I don't have say, that at the end of this episode because we're recording so close. But I'm, we need I'm, more. I'm uh. having so many um, shows lamenting me with all of this dark, twisted, scary stuff that I need something light to, to bring me out of the, this darkness because I'm scared shitless sitting here in my own house trying to do my mm-hmm. podcast prep. But yeah, that this is, I think, where the scary stuff is coming in. We might not have hidden ghosts um, in this series. Um, it doesn't stop me from looking for them. But... Um, mm-hmm. Th- this was scary to me. Mike Flanagan's hitting hitting the mark for me. Yeah. So. Anyway, that was a pretty long rant on um, <laughs> on yours. So, w- w- did you want to say anything else about that? Because I just totally took over your point. No, no, that's fine. Because that's all I had. So perfect. Oh man, I don't know what the hell that thing is. It looked to be tall. Because also, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know how tall Bull was. I mean, I'm guessing average height. Um, mm-hmm. but it was almost like he was kind of looking up a little bit, like his yeah. gaze was drawn upwards, um, like this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't mean like unnaturally, but look like it had some pretty good height on it. So I don't know if that means anything or not. I'm just making observations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my number three, um, this one was a hard, hard, hard scene for me. And I know for a lot of people, um, but RIP Pike. Mm. Watching the cats the last episode, I thought, okay, let's get that out of our system. Let's not have any more of that. But right. then we had to have this terrible, terrible scene of this poor dog um, having been poisoned. And that was that. I mean, it's hard for me to watch any animal die on any show. I mean, anyone who knows yeah. me know that I, I complain all the time about The Walking Dead and how. <laughs> Just this, the endless animal deaths um, on that show. I mean, I almost quit. Horses. <laughs> yeah, I almost quit over one particular scene um, years ago. That um, was pretty pissed off about, and took me a while to reconcile um, and get over. Um, so this this was tough. And I mean, I had a dog that was poisoned by a really mean ass neighbor um, years ago when I was a kid, and I had to watch it happen. I'm the one that found her, um, and that like really traumatized me as a kid mm-hmm. um, and knowing um, that someone did this intentionally um, and just 
really, really hard, hard to watch. So um, we find out in this episode, because we didn't really learn in the first episode what happened to Lisa exactly yeah. and um, how she came to be in her wheelchair. And we find out in this episode and we don't know the details and they're probably maybe not too important, but we find out it was because of Joe. Um, who we met the first episode um, because of a shooting accident. And we don't know the details of that, um, but I guess it was identified as um, an accident um, because he's, I don't know, I mean, he's not behind bars for it or anything. So, um, you know, I guess it was just determined it was an accident. But it's got to be really hard, especially in this really tiny community that, you know, you could see that look on Lisa's face as they were... um, you know, coming down the road or she's talking with, with father Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out a little bit about that and find out pretty quickly. Joe's considered pretty much an outcast in the community. Um, and I'm curious, I mean, Joe might not be the the most upstanding person, but why do we have to punish the dog? I, I really feel somebody, mm-hmm. somebody, and I don't know who, and we could talk about it, um, would punish the dog. And I know that people do things like that to punish the person because the person suffers, but it just it doesn't sit well with me at all that um, the dog had to suffer that oh, way. Yeah. So we saw well, him eating. Go Joe's ahead. line. Yeah, it was like Joe's line where he's kind of yelling out at people as he says. He was just like, I know a lot of you hate me. Shit things that i've done I, and i'm not too fond of myself either yeah but why do you have to take it out on him what did he do to you you know exactly um so we so i'm curious you know who who do we think really did it do we think that it could be you know as we were talking earlier related and and i didn't mention pike's death and sacrifice as i did the cats mm-hmm. and bull but i don't know if pike's death could also be related to father paul and the weirdness you know that's kind of happening um with everything or do we kind of fall in the camp of miss keen did it um she um, wretched I, wretched busybody okay. that she is i very much fall in the camp of she did it because as you were starting to say earlier about the hot dog we see yep. he is given a hot dog i am assuming that it was poisoned mm-hmm. this was a purposeful act I paused it right as the person was setting down the hot dog because I wanted to see what they were wearing. Oh, did you catch it? I did. The clothes the perpetrator is wearing, it's definitely a woman, uh, dress with blue, yellow, and red flowers on it, stockings, black shoes, and Bev is wearing the exact same outfit. She has a little cardigan on over the top of it, but you can see it, you can see it through the cardigan and then underneath it, it's the same dress. Good catch. I didn't Mm -hmm. catch, um... All I, all I caught was, was the hot dog and the dog. I wasn't even looking to see who had placed it there. Mm-hmm. Damn it. What a horrible, horrible woman. So yeah, because that was um, the first time I watched it. I was like, you know, maybe maybe I'm not 100% sure it was her. It could be a swerve. But like, so on my second watch, pausing it the second the hot dog's being set down to see who what the person is wearing, what we can see as they're setting it down. I was like, and then catch. waiting for it. And then whenever everybody gathers around when Pike dies... I'm looking at what everybody's wearing, and I was like, shit, Bev's got the same dress on under her cardigan. Shit, good catch. I'm so glad that mm-hmm. you that you caught that, because I, I missed that. I mean, I, I certainly believe she had, like, all the reasons to do it. I mean, we, we saw her with the poison, 
Um, mm-hmm. So she's, you know, talking about this excuse of, and maybe she was using it for rats or whatever, but, you know, coming up with the story of, of why she's needing that poison and what she's using it for. But we saw mm-hmm. in the first episode about how she talked about that dog and how she was like, he could have, he could have lunged at me. He could have bit me, you know, and how yeah. she was going, going at Joe um, whenever he got out of jail that morning when the dog, you know, kind of barked at her. Um and oh man, I know people like that. Oh my God, mm-hmm. I know people like that. Um, and it just so yeah. I mean, we definitely had a lot of reason to believe that. I guess I didn't. I totally missed that and didn't didn't see um, and identify her clothing. So thank you. All right. <laughs> well, so at least it takes that mystery or at least that question for me. Maybe everyone else caught caught it and it was just me. Um, well, but I yeah, to sure. On my second watch, I was like, I'm. Pausing this when this hot dog goes down because I was like, can I pick up some clues? I yeah, wanted to know I'm for glad sure. that <laughs> glad that you did. So at least it solves that, but I still don't know if it if it does play into you know having this death um, and it being a sacrifice plays into any and contributes to any of the weirdness that's going on or not. And I'm interested to see um, where this kind of takes a story with Joe and with with Bev Keen. Um, you know, he talks about the history that they have. You know, they went to school together. They've lived on the island together, um, and he definitely knows her. And Sheriff may not have known her as long, but it sounds like he's definitely, you know, he believes the same thing. Thing is, is they can't really prove it. Um, But I I think it's going to, there's going to be some interesting happenings um, from here on. Um, But yeah, I I really hope we're done with the, I know this is horror and people are like, well, what do you expect from a horror movie Um, or a horror show? Um, But yeah, I could do without. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, deaths. So anyway. all the people you want, but don't hurt the animals. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about people, you know, (laughs) just save the animals. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Uh, what is your number two? All right, so my number two, which was what I was talking about earlier when I was like, you kind of painted some of it in a different light. But I was also, it's kind of a dual thing. Okay. But I'm calling it The Good Works of Father Paul. All right. Um, but it is, you know, everything can be kind of viewed in different lights. Uh, starts with, we see him, we talked about this a little bit, him visiting Sarah's mother at home for a personal mass with her. And, like, I would be very willing to decide, oh, he's a very good guy after... He helps a number of people throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, he's doing his priestly duty very well. He is a very devout, good priest, and he's doing his job exceedingly. Like, he's awesome. Yes. And then I think back to the big box, and then it's back to Sketch City. Like, <laughs> that's just, like, but then, but once you tie him to whatever else is going on, it's like, mm, nope, it's still still bad vibes, and... You know, while he's there with Sarah's mother, he think or she thinks that he's Monsignor Pruitt at first, which is again easy to mark up to her dementia because last week, so last, again there it is, three days ago when we were going up. <laughs> but um, you know, he thought Aaron or she thought Aaron was her mother, Peggy, mm-hmm. and so you know it's easy to kind of mark these things up. But also, I mean, your theory where you're talking about, oh, could it be the same kind of you know de-aged? I mean. Sarah's mother was around enough to have probably have known him younger. Um, <laughs> I know. And that is where, yeah, go ahead and finish your point and I'll jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just all these little things. We talked about the miracle of Anne not needing her glasses anymore. And so I talked about, well, there's only these like small group of people who were there taking the blood or wine, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> See, I'm already, in this cup. I'm already going to, oh, blood. Yeah. Uh, 
but you know, along with Lisa is there. So, I mean, what effects is it having on those people specifically? Um, I did, men- uh, had a little mention to, uh, the interview with Linklater that you read on the last episode because, you know, about him talking about him getting to play this role mm-hmm. and like his sermons this week. And I was like, man, it really shows what he was talking about. Cause he is nailing it. He was, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and then the other thing, the big thing is the AA thing, because uh, clearly he's taking a special interest in Riley. And again, you know, I'd say without the box stuff and like the ulterior motives that you have to question, you're like, I think he's just doing his job really well because that's what you do is you find the outlier, the person who's kind of outside of everything and you reach out to them. But because of the other thing, it's like it's, it has a creepy vibe to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's offering to start an AA chapter on the island just so Riley doesn't have to spend the entire day ferrying back and forth to the mainland. At face value, that is great. That's kind. That's helpful. That's really thoughtful. Yes. Priestly duties done well. But is he because of that damn box him? and because of things is like, you know, and then like the weird happenings and the the like sacrificial stuff. Yeah, you're like. I can't help but feel there's something going on underneath the surface of this and I don't I don't like it. And then yeah, that last scene with Lisa where he like forces her to get up and walk for her communion and everyone's pissed off at him considering mm-hmm. it a bad joke and he's rude and disrespectful and, and cruel, yeah. Until she gets up and walks up to the stairs to him and then it's straight awe and amazement and even Riley is shocked. And I think Riley is really affected this is just me reading into his face yeah. for those like few seconds, but just it's maybe it's me reading into his face for like these like few seconds of, you know, we just had this conversation where I was using Lisa as an example of these things. And now he's doing this like, <laughs> and I'm with you. Um, yeah. And I don't want to, I feel like I keep taking your points over. So I want to make sure that you feel like you've said, yeah, no, that's, that's okay. all I had. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that fits in perfectly, honestly, with um, my number two, because, you know, I want to talk about, um, I'm going to talk more about him a little bit, but specifically Father Paul. And I know, you know, we kind of talked some theories and just even in the first episode where we thought things might go or what we were feeling just from the first episode. Um, and I still even on the second episode, don't quite have my finger on it. And I'm okay with not having figured it out. I don't want to figure yep. it out just yet on the second episode. We've got, you know, I'm having fun um, trying to figure out what's going on um, and not sure what to believe. And I know that I keep saying, oh my gosh, I think he's a vampire. And I keep, and I kept referencing like these vam- vampire like type references and, and things that kind of um, have some similarities and stuff. And, and I could be totally wrong about that and that's okay. Um, that's just one theory I'm kind of playing with but I mean I feel maybe he could also be an instrument for whatever is causing the strange happenings did he bring whatever maybe something else in the trunk or if maybe the Monsignor was in the trunk is the Monsignor the monster Um, or did he bring this creature slash monster this whatever this albatross is (laughs) that um, (laughs) you know to the island Um, you know and 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 that is what is responsible. And maybe um, also Father Paul is also responsible for causing these strange happenings because he's unleashed whatever it is yeah. causing all of these things to happen. Um, 
and I know that it could be like a red herring to just say, oh, he's just a vampire and I'm totally falling for it. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to stay open to all these other possibilities. But, you know, no matter what, no matter what, um, if I'm right or wrong or if anything I'm saying has any kind of truth or um, that I'm correct about, there is something off about him and not yeah. quite right. There's, like you said, I was trying to think about it. I was like, man, look at all the good he's doing in the community. That's yeah. why I feel like... That, that's what leads me to believe that he is like a de-aged version of the Monsignor um, because he, he's taking care of his community and he's taking an interest. You know, he's spending that time with Lisa. He yeah. cares about Riley. Um, he cares about, um, and I don't remember her name, but Sarah's mother, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to her house and taking care of her. Um, so... There's that part of me, but then there's also like, well, he could have just he could just be doing it for his own evil plan of whatever's going on, um, you know, um, and and he's faking it, you know, yeah. playing it off, playing playing the good priest, you know, to draw people in, and you know, because he's very charismatic. Um, so so I don't know, and then also. Um, Sarah, the doctor, she sees something else in him, too, if some sort of familiarity. You know, she says that the Monsignor used to stare at her all the time. And when you, you know, look off in the distance when they're at that uh, crockpot luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, she catches him uh, staring at her there. Yeah. You know, kind of in the same way. So yeah, her, her girlfriend points it out. I was like, I don't think your clergy's happy with us right now. It's like, well, he's not mine, but... But the old Monsignor used to do the same thing, so yeah, it's a little did weird. Yeah, the same thing. And yeah. So, yeah, so it's. I feel like it's a clue that, you know, Father Paul has a connection to the old one, and it's not just he's catching people up on his congregation, you know, yeah. and I'm not buying any of that. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I have. I don't have it figured out, but I have the same questions and this mystery surrounding Father Paul. He's doing all of these good things, but I just feel like there's something sinister uh underlying there yeah so but i'm watching him got my eyes on him (laughs) (laughs) what is your number one uh my number one i just called fucking bev which we've talked a lot about her but but aside from just the dog thing which that's part of this but I mean, there's just something about her in general. Uh, even when she's making small talk with somebody, everything she says has this air of condescension and rudeness to it. She's like, like, so passive-aggressive. Yeah, there's just something always underlying her words uh, when we see her, when her and Aaron are talking in the supply closet. This whole, well, your mom never threw away the Windex bottles, and here you are just throwing them all away all willy-nilly, basically. It's like, why do you have to make a thing out of everything to... to it's like, she just takes uh, joy and judging people and feeling better than other people about the simplest things like a Windex bottle. Like yeah. she just has this air of superiority about her. Um, we get that line and this is after the dog thing, which I had gone in and been like, Oh, she do- totally did it. So I'm already mad at her. Every time she shows up on screen, I'm just flipping my TV off. And then, <laughs> but then we get to that, you know, you know, they're coming in, you know, Lisa is coming into church and, oh, funny how the pews empty back out once everyone has their ashes, isn't it? I was like, shut up, Bev. Shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear what you have to say, Bev. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Except I get the hook and just I know. drag and her then off the screen. Sheriff Hassan goes to check in on the poison thing with her and her just, well, if that poor dog got into the poison, I mean, I'll just be a wreck about it. And I was like, stuff it, Bev. Just stop. Oh, <laughs> She's like, just wretched. Uh, 
I just, I can't stand her at all. And yeah. And it's like, what is with the poison kind of thing? I think at first I was like, was she wanting Aaron to catch her? So that she could have an alibi because she told somebody she was, you know, going after the rats. For the rats, yep. And I was like, I wouldn't put it past her. But then also, when I think about it, it probably would have been smarter for her not to have anybody on her trail. Because when Joe says it was poison and Bev- and Aaron looks directly at Bev, mm-hmm. and that's probably what led the sheriff to go question her. So I, then it makes me think more like, oh, no, she didn't want to be caught. But since she got caught, she turned it into something where she was like, oh, I'm using it for rats. You want me to do your house, too? She's very manipulative and calculated. And just as Joe says when he's talking to the sheriff about like, you know, oh, I knew it was going to go this way because she has a way of just talking everybody into everything. We get that with Riley even where he's like she talked everybody into taking the settlements and then giving that money from the settlements to the church, exactly. which ended up being her. Thank you, know, you for like, pointing that out because and, and it just it's why I have it's why I have issues. And I know not everyone is like that, but I have known people like that yeah. and know people that way that so like, get this little <laughs> get on this power trip when they yeah, get into church exactly. and they 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 work their way up and they they have this superiority complex and you know they get this power and she she took it and she I think very much enjoyed having the elderly Monsignor there who she could manipulate and mm-hmm. and because he because of his illness took advantage of that and convinced everyone to take that settlement um and well of course you know we got to do the correct thing and you've got to tie that back to the church because it's the right thing to do which inadvertently just directly goes to her i feel like her coffers like riley said i feel like this rec center she had to build this to make it look like she was doing something with it but i bet it didn't cost what Mm -hmm. what was given you know like she had to put up a good front but i bet if you run an audit on what it really costs for that and what was actually donated Mm -hmm. something doesn't marry up there yeah um, through what so Riley says, says and what Joe says to the sheriff. Like, it's just become like, yeah, she's clearly just an evil snake. That is what yeah, she absolutely is. evil snake. <laughs> 100%. Oy, yeah. Um, she, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really holding out she's going to get hers. I, yeah, um, it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Really holding out that she's going to get hers as we um, continue our story. Um. Well, my number one, um, I've kind of already talked about as far as, you know, the the scene scaring the hell out of me there at the end with Bull and this, um, whatever that thing was in the darkness, um, scaring the hell out of me. So I just want to talk about, um, I'll, I'll take something from my notes because it was really powerful and I was going to talk about it no matter what. And you touched on it. Um, we get Father Paul's sermon for Lent. Mm-hmm. Um and I tweeted out about this after I finished watching I it that. Uh, last night <laughs> that, I mean, he was so amazing. Hamish Linklater, yeah. Linklater, sorry, um, is just so amazing. And I, I, I'm mesmerized by everything that he does. But I don't know. Like you said, his theatrical training um, mm-hmm. really, really was present here i mean this was a very powerful sermon that that he gave um in speech um and i was just so captivated and completely drawn in like i almost forgot that i was watching a tv show and i felt just drawn in by what he was saying and i was in tears nice i mean 
it just and you could see you know how everyone else in the congregation was moved you know lisa's got tears in her eyes aaron was moved um uh riley's parents were in Mm -hmm. tears and i think it um so much moved riley that he even decided to go go ahead up up and get you know the blessing yeah um with the with the ashes and i i think that it was appropriate for this episode you know that we walk in on the the start of lent which um lent is the beginning of repentance making amends for our sins as father paul says and lent marks the 40-day countdown to easter which in christianity is all about rebirth and resurrection which I don't know. I we've talked about it a little bit. You could almost kind of see it, um, you know, um, the sacrifices and almost like a rebirth or resurrection taking place yeah. here. Um, and you know, when he's talking about, you know, really rallying the congregation up, and he's talking about, you know, how the island will rise again, and like Jesus' apostles, the fishermen will find hope following the oil spill that ruined their businesses. Um, you know, and if he's he's really trying to offer them help, and he thinks that he can help them. And he reads this psalm, Psalm 60, God, you have rejected us. You have broken us down. You have been angry. Restore us again. Um, and psalms, which is the title of the episode, are songs of faith, um, Paul says. And um, that can lead people out of darkness. And I thought, man, there's some truth to that. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I talk a lot about music and how songs can really touch you and yeah. take you to a certain place and can kind of, if you're in a dark place, can kind of lift you up a little bit. Um, so I, 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 I thought it was absolutely brilliant, a beautiful, beautiful um, performance and really touched touched me. He, he And as I mentioned when I tweeted it out, I was like, he almost made me believe again. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> like this is how good it was. This is this wasn't even like a real priest and a real sermon and a real church. This was just a TV show, and I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm ready to like. <laughs> you're almost standing like, up and you're like, Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, wow, good for you because that's not an easy easy <laughs> task. It it really touched me and moved me. And damn, if 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 Mike Flanagan just isn't bringing it. Um, yeah. with this show and the writing and the performances. So it's it's really making me feel something. And man, if it's doing it already here in the second episode, I don't know what to do and how to prepare myself for the rest, <laughs> rest of it. So that's my number one. Awesome. Um, what notes do you have? I've, I've always got a grab bag of random notes. Uh, awesome. Let's see, just, then just like, again, like little things that I just think are funny. Uh, mm-hmm. at back at the opening, you know, scene on the beach we were talking about, very at the beginning when Wade, when Mayor Wade first comes in, and Warren has to tell them to, oh, don't come down on the beach unless you have your galoshes and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Bev makes this snarky comment, like, I know how to walk on the beach. And it's just, I had to make the comment, or like the note of it, because I thought it was hilarious. Even Wade, the mayor, goes, you have your say, Bev. And then as he's walking away under his breath, he goes, you always do. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. like people are fed up with her. Um, it makes sense. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's no love lost for Bev. <laughs> right. Uh, somebody, one of the listeners last, again, last week, but last episode, uh, mentioned the bad CGI goals. And I didn't notice it then, but yeah, um... When I'm focusing on it, the opening of this episode, it was a valiant effort for CGI, uh, and it doesn't really bother me. It can be a little rough if you really focus on them, but like 
if you just let it be background as you're focusing on the scene, it's not a big deal. But I did yeah. notice it. I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's there. It's okay. But yeah, uh, again, you mentioned a little bit with Lisa stopping and kind of staring at Joe while Paul is talking with her. And Paul immediately picks up that something's wrong. And so then it's like a lot of like just kind of under the surface. Like we don't see these scenes, but it makes me think that what then happened is he went and asked around to figure out what happened because he could see if something was going on. Because mm-hmm. then at the potluck when he's talking to Riley, he knows. He's like, yeah, I found out that it was some kind of accident. So we don't see him asking around, but clearly he did. And I'm like, I bet he went straight to Bev because he's she's going to spill the tea, all of it, and, and more. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so that that's easy. Uh, get Riley's haunting still a little bit. We get the little scene of Riley in bed and the camera starts turning and spinning on him. And you're just waiting for the red and blue lights to hit. And they waited a little bit. It makes you mm-hmm. think may- maybe he's over it. And then they kick on and you're like, nope, nope, still there, still haunted. Yeah. And it's been accompanied by this dream of him like being just alone out in the ocean in a boat, which is interesting. It's building yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Ash Wednesday thing, which, again, I was never Catholic, so I never really like recognized it to that much of an extent. Mm-hmm. I have friends now who are Episcopalian, so I'm familiar to it like to some degree with them doing the whole like ashes on the forehead and like really oh okay doing that stuff i've I've seen that from them but it's not really my background but i knew what it was going on i was like oh okay it's interesting to see this well if you live in any kind of community with the catholic church or uh, when you go um when you go out um at the beginning of lent and you see anyone with the because you have to wear them all day yeah you're supposed to wear them all day and you can wash at the end of the night but if you go to mass in the morning yeah, so if you see anyone walking around with it, you'll know what it is. And like, uh-huh. why do they have dirt smushed on their head? <laughs> that is why. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, let's see. Uh, Sarah talked about her a little bit. She's on a second date with a woman that she met on the mainland, I guess, and then mm-hmm. talked her into ferrying over to Crockett for the potluck. Uh, <laughs> what and a good second on date. her for sticking it out. She yeah. did it. Um, and, you know, her, her girlfriend is like, it's only a second date, but she's already been like, yeah, you should get out of here. This place is <laughs> going to, like, suck you dry. And, but we find out then it was, like, a nice little thing. You know, I gave her the, the you know, close to God last week or last episode for, and I still think it's great that, yeah, I mean, she's staying for her mom. She's like, I can't move her to, to the mainland. She, she's on her last legs. She want this is where she wants to be. I want her to, to pass away in a place that she's comfortable and that she knows this is her home. She's mm-hmm. like, but then once all that is done, whenever that is, then yeah, I'm getting the hell out of here. You're right. Like, she's very yeah. set on that. Uh, I like Riley getting up early in the morning and choosing to go out on the boat with his dad and brother, trying to mend the relationship with his father. That's mm-hmm. really sweet. That's it's a good step for him. Yep. And then just the tiniest little note. Um, Joe, again, calling the sheriff Sharif. And last episode, I mentioned it, but I didn't get it. It went over my head completely. I was like, wait, but what is his name then? And then I put it together as watching this one. I was like, oh, Omar Sharif. Omar is like, Sharif. Like, like, like <laughs> yeah. the actor, like Dr. Zavago, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Uh, Omar Sharif. I was like, that went completely over my head. It makes sense now. I put it together, but like, I didn't catch it last episode. Yeah. And so being, when he says it again, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So he was racist. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, I knew it would come to you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
you're you're a youngin, Paik. We yeah. forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it took a little longer to click. <laughs> you're a youngin. Um, great notes. Um, well, I, I have a few. Um, I, I've already mentioned the long shot in the opener, but I want to also talk about the camera work. Uh, during the AA conversation between Father Paul and Riley, if anyone noticed, I, I thought it was great camera work. You got the um, the side version of them, like the camera having both of them in the frame, mm-hmm. um, and then you would have like just Riley, a single shot of him, and you would have a single shot of Father Paul. And did anyone notice that as the conversation progressed, you know, they were they weren't like absolutely direct; they were just a little bit off to the side a little when it started, but as their conversation um, got a little bit more agitated as they started to kind of almost have those differing points of view and Riley was definitely skewing one way, very Mm -hmm. anti-God and anti-religion and Father Paul, you know, definitely going the other way, that the camera angles shifted dramatically during those points. They were going from like almost straight head on to very much off to the side of of them um so you had like this big wide shot of like uh riley would be in, on like the far left of the screen and then there was like a big wide shot of just like the wall behind him so the camera yeah. angle shifted a lot and i don't know if that represented because of the discontent between them and their differing points of view and that was reflected in the camera angles how they shifted as the conversation continued between them it may not, but I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah. So wanted to just make a, a point of it because, again, Mike Flanagan dazzling me with his camera work. Uh-huh. Um, um, at towards the end, uh, I think it was like at the fifty-one minute mark. Um, Aaron is going through her pictures and she's putting them in uh, the album. Uh, one of the pictures, and I feel like it might be important i'm not sure i because i think it also happens in a few others but she's holding it um and then that is what then she hears the the noise on the roof and so she's holding that one for a period of time but if you look in that picture aaron's thumb um is covering up a dark figure in the picture as if he's as if because i think there were kids um in the picture yeah and it's in the foreground and it looks like he's watching the kids kind of i Um, did not catch that yeah i don't know if it's important or not but it's a very prominent like dark figure where her thumb is so go look for that yeah um talked about the line that i love that line too aaron's line where she never met a bottle that she couldn't empty Mm -hmm. um there is an easter egg now i i will admit um i got this one offline and i think um one of our listeners also um i think mofavo um provided this as well in one of her notes um I didn't see Oculus. Did you see Oculus? It was one of Mike Flanagan's I movies. I know that we watched, or I know I watched Hush. I don't know if mm-hmm. you had an opportunity to watch that I still haven't. I need to get around to it. You should watch it. Kate Siegel, um, yeah. Kate Siegel, she's really fantastic in it. Um, and it was really great. I mean, well I have done. every reason to believe it would be. It's, yeah. yeah, it was really great. Um, well, he, he had another movie called Oculus. It did really well. Did really well. Had a really small budget, but it did really well. Um so if you're a fan of Oculus, there's an Easter egg from that movie, and I guess it's hidden in plain sight, and it was a little hard for me to pick up because I'm not as familiar, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm going to have to go back and look for it again. Um, but in the scene with Father Paul and Riley and during the AA meeting, there is a antique mirror, uh, I think it's on the stage, 
um, and I could be wrong, but it's it's I guess very obvious um, that this big mirror, and apparently this mirror, this antique mirror, plays a really uh, big role in the movie Oculus. So, if you didn't spot it and you're a fan of the that that movie, um, look for that. I love how it feels like Mike Flanagan is almost doing like taking a nod from Stephen King and building this universe almost because we know Midnight Mass was in a lot of his movies yeah. and used as a prop like the book. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week, um, how Midnight Midnight Mass was kind of mentioned or at least a book or something, you know, was kind of mentioned in, in some of his other works. Um, and now he's kind of bringing in Oculus, you know, yeah. to this. And it's like all these fun things building on each other. Um, and that was all of my notes. So... Do you have, and I didn't put this in our agenda, so I apologize. Um, do you have your Closer to God? I do. I week? actually picked these this week because nice. I knew they were coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so we'll go Close to God first. Mm-hmm. I picked Riley, which is funny that the outspoken oh. atheist is my Close to God choice. Interesting. But, um, but as far as just as a person, I mean, he speaks a lot about true care for people and the hypocrisy that he sees. He pulls a lot of that to light and he's doing a lot to better himself. I mean, we see him like he's kind of begrudgingly doing the AA thing, but he's, he's making a point to like, try to make it stick and try to make, I mean, he's, he's haunted by his past, yeah. but he's, he's coming to this conclusion in that speech with father Paul, where he's like, you know, I could try to put it all on this other me, but it's, it's me. Who's to blame? I'm to blame. You know, he talks about that. And then he goes out, he's trying to mend his relationship with his dad going out on the boat. And he's, you know, his mother urges him to get up and get the ashes. And he decides, yeah, you're right. Let me do that. Like he's going to the potluck and talking with Aaron and trying to, you know, renew these relationships. And I think he's really making an effort. And that's why I pick him. Excellent. And maybe trying to find his purpose, like yeah. Aaron was talking about. I like it. Well, I'm I'm going to choose uh, Lisa, because she had a miracle, yeah. and I feel like that moment probably brought her closer to God than just about <laughs> anyone, in my opinion, for yeah. this episode. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens and if that continues and what the reactions are. Um after that happened. So that's who I'm picking. Um, who would you choose for Devil's Minion this <laughs> oh, week? Oh, that's easy. Fucking Bav. <laughs> I'm with you. Same. It wasn't a hard decision. Right. At all. Not a hard choice. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. I wonder how many others agree with us. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that woman, I'm telling you. Um, all right. Well, I think that that I, I could keep talking about it, but we're going to have to move on. Um, so let's let's see what our listeners thought. Um, I love our yeah. listener feedback. Um, I'll go ahead and take the first one here from our good All friend right. Lindsay. She says, "Well, I'm glad I have a friend who watches faster than me and quickly warned me uh, about the dog scene. Even fast forwarding the few stills I saw broke my heart." I have no idea if I missed anything of importance, but I know I despise Bev maybe more than any other villain in TV history. Besides that, I found this episode incredibly boring. (laughs) 
<laughs> Aside from the end, the only real thing I got from this episode are hints that I think some part of this mystery is going to have to do with aging or the reversal of aging. There was clearly some kind of knowing or connection between the priest and the doctor's mother. Riley's mom discovering she no longer needs glasses. These hints definitely make me think we are hinting at something to do with age. The last 10 minutes finally captured my attention and gave me hope. This was just one of those normal filler episodes. That shiny eye creature thing that echoed to the dude to lure him in creeped me the hell out. I can't wait to see it fully. I'm happy that Lisa was able to walk, but I fear where this power came from. On to episode three. Yeah. Awesome. I'm I'm sorry that you found some of it a little boring. I think sorry, we Lindsay. dove into it a little more. Uh, not to say that it's like it's your fault for not enjoying it because you didn't dive into it. No, but... But yeah, just from that perspective, I think there's just a lot going on in the in the background that I find really intriguing. So hopefully, by listening to this, maybe that helps you kind of put some of those pieces together and maybe it changes yeah. the way you look at it. I hope so. Uh, this one comes from Don Elizabeth. She has two. Which, do you want me to read both of them? Or yeah, go I think ahead. It's, yeah, because it's one for uh, the first episode and then for this one. Yep. So for the first episode, she says, I miss commenting on episode one. One thing I really liked that I don't think anyone else mentioned in the feedback section was the way they filmed the scenes in Rectory, I guess you would call it. They filmed looking down onto the room, which I don't ever recall seeing done before, and I think it added to the creep factor. I agree. And then with this one, she says, I hope I don't offend anyone by saying that communion freaks me out. Body and blood of Christ? I'm not religious, as you can guess, so these repeated scenes are freaking me out. I'm pretty sure the wine is what's made Lisa able to walk, since she has taken more than anyone else. How about the dead cats and now the dog? Why do the animals always die? I know it's that damn Bev who killed Joe's dog. Is Father Paul trying to keep Riley on the island by offering to do the AA meetings? And why does Riley keep seeing the girl he killed on a slant the way he does? After watching Hill House and Bly Manor, I think this is Mike Flanagan's camera move. I'm enjoying the show, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Rima, you might be right about vampires. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Doug Fix says, uh, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the kind words. It has been a while. I think he's mentioning um, we were giving Doug a, a shout out um, previously so you're welcome um we miss you um he says first off let me congratulate rima joe and Paik for four years of the podcast from steve the d to altered carbon to the masturbation pillow on you <laughs> Paik, you're gonna have to watch you now so you I can know. find out what that it's is like, I, I wasn't here for some of these things so or really so I'm like, <laughs> i remember steve the d i remember talking about that but since i'm, I'm not caught up on you i haven't listened have to, to those ones you and sean did so i was like now I'm yep. a little more intrigued, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it might be slightly spoilery for you. Um, he goes on to say, here's to many happy years to follow. Thank you so much, Doug. Um, thank you for that, and thanks for still being here. Um, he goes on, these comments are for episode and two, with the privilege of listening to the episode one podcast. So great to have a lot of uh, our Flanagan folk again on this show, and another strange indeed alum. The mom, played by Kristen Lehman, was Miss, Mrs. Bancroft in Alter Carbon Season 1. Oh, shit. Um, miss, I overlooked that one. Uh, the addition of uh, Hamish Linklater is a great choice as he is able to give off that charismatic creepiness. Check him out and tell me your secrets. Oh, I heard that was really good. Um, thanks, Doug, for that recommendation. I, I'm going to have to do that. The opening shots are wonderful and really gives you the tragic beauty and despair of the town, but the shiplap is amazing. Love it or list it. The jump scare hauntings of Tara Beth are a Flanagan staple, but they still are effective. Just as Rima Jo stated, I too was reciting the sacrament ceremony in my head with Father Paul right down to the bell ringing. 
I was an altar boy. Uh-oh, but it did mm-hmm. not garner as much action with the girls as one might have hoped. <laughs> Again, like Cream and Joy, I'm getting a serious vampire vibe. But I do not think it is Father Paul. Paul is the Monsignor, and the creature in the crate promised him eternal life if he does his bidding. The devil, perhaps? I think the creature was feasting on the cats until he can get his fangs on a human, like Brad Pitt feeding on rats in an interview with the vampire. I know I thought the same. I assume Bull was his first victim. I like the no-cut shot of Aaron and Riley as they walked from church. With Father Paul filling the wine on his own, he is clearly dosing the parishioners with either his blood or the blood of the creature. And I also... Oh. Hmm. That's good. Sorry, I had to pause for a minute. That's a good thought. <laughs> and I also predict that Mildred will recognize a younger Monsignor and that they will have had a past relationship. Wouldn't anyone else recognize him as well? I'm sure one of the older residents without dementia knew what he looked like younger. No pictures? Anyway, this uh, may also explain the aging makeup as there will be flashbacks. Dog poisoning? Not cool, Bev. You can clearly see your flowered dress as you feed the pooch the poison hot dog. You suck. I thought maybe the creature might be revealed, but it is clearly chilling in that fixer-upper on Main Street. Was it in Aaron's house, too? I think Father Paul's and Riley's discussion may be what is at the heart of this show's religious angle. How can followers believe that misery and sacrifice is an actual gift from God? How absurd. I think this prompts Paul into action as Lisa is being dosed daily and was ready to show the town and Riley um, God's miracles, even if they are a sinister lie. I think Bev will find out the truth, but will be on board as the righteous zealot. Looking forward to Flanagan's um, What the Fuck Was That moments going forward. Hope everyone is well out there in Strange Indeed land. Can't wait for your take. Awesome. Lots of good stuff in there. A lot of good <laughs> stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to pause on that for a minute. Some um, great insight. Thank you so much, Doug. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, this last one here. For the, we have some emails, but the last like Facebook one here is from uh, Maureen Favo, and she posted this prior to the episode one podcast, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it still feel as though I can smell the cats, but different smell in episode two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two person AA is awkward. Just realized Ed Flynn, the dad, is Henry Thomas. Totally unrecognizable. How does he do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we to assume that since cats are gone, glowing eyed flying predator has come into town to eat? Not happy with all the cat and dog death, but okay with drug dealer, assuming he's dead. <laughs> Love the aerial imagery. And will Pake be able to tie songs in this episode to Psalms? Ah, I know. Steve called me out for it last week. He was like, oh, I love when Pake does all this stuff with the music. And I was like, oh, I don't really have the music notes for this one. I tried. Even with this one, I was, like, looking into it. But, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's a couple of songs that were used at the potluck that I was like, oh, it's it's interesting. But, like... I'm sure if I dove really deep into them, they all tie and connect together. But I was like, I have Probably. so many other notes. I was like, I just don't know. If I <laughs> they had some. There. They had some good ones. Yeah. Mm. Um, we got a couple of emails. Um, first one we have is from Jenny. Um, she says, "Just wanted to chime in and say, wow, on the first two episodes, I expected greatness from Mike Flanagan and crew, and of course, they delivered. Really looking forward to the rest of the season and y'all's uh, coverage of it. Thanks." All right, this one comes from Fran, says, Greetings. Okay, so I had to purposefully stop myself from jumping ahead after episode two, because I want to follow along week to week with you. Makes it so much more fun, but it's so hard just not to continue to the next one. Thank you for doing that, Fran. I know it's hard. Uh, after I finished my second watch of this right before we recorded, it started playing into the third one, because my like Netflix casting like messed up, and I had to redo the app while it was playing. 
So I like just had to pause the TV and like, no, I'm not looking. I'm not. No, looking. Stop, stop, stop. It's, it's dangerous. Yep. <laughs> she goes on to say, I didn't watch this director's other shows, but I'm definitely feeling and liking the way that he's laying this one out of kind of a slow but building up burn. Digging the characters and the atmospheric mystery amid very natural things, the sorrows and painful things of people's lives. An island that would be so beautiful if not for its tragic past of the oil spill. I'm wondering if the oil spill is part of the spiritual plague of this place. I agree that it's telling like a Stephen King novel. And so could there be something about the land itself that's drawing in the demonic. Hmm. So Creepy Priest is actually pretty cool. LOL. I mean, we know we don't trust him. What the heck was in that locked box? Was he in the box? Is he some kind of vampire? Reminds me of Salem's Lot and Storm of the Century. Mm-hmm. Isolated community that becomes the battleground for the souls of its residents. And I think we can already see it's going to come down to the battle between good and evil. So the question is, is the priest a real priest wanting to help these islanders to grow in their faith in God? Or is he a demon and the flying monster thing his true altar boy? But what was with the resident on the beach talking to the sheriff? And he gave off a distinct cultic vibe about the island and the parish. And creepy things on the island seem to be a norm. What don't we know yet about this place? Have there been unholy sacrifices made in the past and now it's come home to roost? Definitely feeling Riley and the teacher. I think along with the sheriff, they are going to sleuth things out. That's if the teacher survives this pregnancy. And just who is she pregnant from? Creepy scene at her house that night and then the spotting. Is she marked in some way? And who was her mom? Lots of questions forming for the story. How effective is the sheriff going to be? He's going to need a lot of help. See how the doctor's old mom thought the priest was the Monsignor? She knows stuff. She knows history. But so tender how he gave her communion. Was that for real? Or an emotional lure from the doctor, or emotional lure for the doctor who was watching, hearing, and being touched? I kind of saw his offering Riley to do his parole requirement there with him as a manipulation. Is it to keep him on the island, away from the mainland? The island's isolation is a huge factor in stories like these. And what was up with Riley's mom and the prick of blood on her finger and her vision with the glasses? Strange indeed, lol. The priest's uh, homily was very on point for encouraging these people, and it touched them. But then who killed the damn dog with the poison hot dog? That was totally messed up, along with the scary scene of the dude who got ate by the winged monster. And then there was Lisa. Beautiful miracle of God, or another manipulation to draw the community into his hands? We shall see. I enjoyed the music in this episode. Hope you did too. I'm also watching Foundation and the morning show on Apple TV. Just excellent. Till next, blessings, Fran in New York. Wow. Thank you, Fran. Yeah. That was excellent. A lot of really good points and thoughts. That, oh, my yeah, gosh. There's just so many things that we hope to see in this season and, and a lot of questions. But I trust Mike Flanagan to really let us know everything we need to know when the time comes. Me too. Well, we got some voicemails this week as well so um let's take a listen and see our first one we have is from our good friend greg wowzers man when that when that uh dog died which i felt bad for Rima during that period uh <laughs> but uh, that reminded me of of like the the times over in house of or uh haunting of hill house where like people died that was like back in like 2017 and then there was this other time in, in Stranger Things where this, in like 2015, where other people died. It totally, oh, yeah. Re, oh, I remember this other time. Oh, my God, Mayor, shut up. We get it. There are like three big <laughs> events that happen on this island with regard to dead animals. We get it. <laughs> hey, guys, this is Greg. Uh, I mean, I found that I, I enjoyed this episode. It was, it's cool seeing the, the story kind of flesh out. <laughs> flesh out. Um, 
But, uh, I mean, like, they, like, they had to put some HGH or something in that wine. He had to have, right? I mean, we, we've got to go with vampire type stuff, right? It's, like, I, I, I can't get the idea that Rima was talking about as far as, like, uh, Father Paul is the Monsignor, but de-aged, and because he, like, knows everybody. I'm also totally digging on Riley's, uh, monologues or hard arguments every episode. The first one was about, you know, not belonging and not having purpose and all that to Aaron. Uh, this one is to Father Paul about, you know, basically how what's like there, there is no God or what's the point of him or whatever. Like, I thought it was fantastic. I was thought it was so good. Um, and then, yeah, that, that wine definitely, uh, has, it's gotta be, it's got to be either vampire blood or, but I don't really, I don't know if it's like different mythology or whatever. Anyway, I'm really enjoying it and uh, looking forward to watching the next one. See you guys later. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. And I still like you, even if you disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> Always great to hear from Greg. Um, yes. And now a voicemail from our good friend, Eric. Hey, Pake and Rima. Uh, this is Eric trying to get in some feedback for Midnight Mass Episode 2. Uh, hoping to get this in just under the gun. Haven't finished the episode yet, but uh, have been really enjoying this show. Uh, just finished watching the AA scene between uh, Father Paul and Riley. That was uh, some incredibly powerful stuff. Uh, so... Mostly I wanted to talk about what I think might be going on with Monsignor Pruitt and Father Paul Hill. Uh, So at the beginning of Mass during this episode, um, the song that I'm guessing Father Paul chose uh, has to do with, um, I guess I'm not Catholic, but they were talking about uh, the Trinity, like three in one and father paul seems to be extremely familiar with everyone on the island uh calls uh dr sarah's mom uh, millie when he comes over to give her her own personal uh mass um and when he brings the trunk in in episode one uh there's a very familiar very friendly uh, two-way tap on the outside and from the inside of that box. And I think perhaps there's a two-in-one thing going on here with uh, Father Paul and Monsignor Pruitt, that they might be two sides of the same coin, that they perhaps each get their turn being uh, young and human-like and then have to perhaps spend time as some kind of vampire night creature, like uh, Rima was saying. Um I know that uh, on the bench when Riley and uh, Father Paul are talking, um, Father Paul says that his favorite is Easter, even more than uh, Christmas, uh, that he likes the renewal and resurrection period. Um, And when talking about, when they're talking about Monsignor Pruitt, he said, oh, that man isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And he says, quote, everything has its season, end quote. So I think perhaps they're doing some sort of maybe body switching or youth slash vampire switching. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Uh, Love the show. See you guys soon. Oof, I like that. 
I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm catching what you're throwing out there, Eric. Yeah. And I think that's very intriguing. There's a lot of really good stuff to think about in there. Man, oh, man. it's going to be another thing. It's like, I'm going to have to watch episode three tonight. I know. <laughs> and I need to like re-listen to everyone's feedback, too, because everyone's really like got some great insight. It's making me think. Um, mm-hmm. And I love it. Love it. Um, okay. We got another voicemail from our super good friend and fellow Zed, Laura Willie Swink. See what she has to say. Hello, Strange Indeed. Uh, Happy anniversary, by the way. This is Lara calling with some quick feedback on my first impressions of the first episode of Midnight Mass. Um, I've only watched one episode so far, and I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I really wanted to say, wow, Mike Flanagan is just a master at crafting characters that we can instantly relate to. Um, After just one episode, I just really felt for all the residents of this tiny ghost of an island and sort of their plight of the um, diminishing town and the diminishing options in their town. Um, Flanagan again, has brought back one of his favorite muses to the show, and of course I mean Henry Thomas. Uh, I really was interested in his character. At first he seems just like a mean old surly dad, but um, there was a lot more depth to his character, as was all the characters. Oh, and of course he brought back his his beautiful and talented wife, Kate Siegel. Um, Interested to find out uh, the background of her character as well. Uh, I like that this show so far has a slow burn. It's not instantly frightening like Haunting of Hill House was, but the first episode did a great job in setting up, you know, the real, the feel of this place and the characters. And um, speaking of characters, Father Paul Hill, uh, Hamish Linklater, Linklater? I am starting to really crush on this actor (laughs) after seeing him in Legion and The Stand. And I don't think I've seen him in that many other things, but he has such a great mannerism and charm. So um, his character obviously seems a bit mysterious and possibly menacing. So I'm interested to see where that character is going. Um, Also, the mom, I just thought this was funny. The mom in the show seems a lot like the mom from the Lost Boys. I don't know if you had that feeling, but I had to double check that that wasn't Diane Weist playing the mother. So um, overall, I'm very excited for this series. I'm going to start the podcast right now and then immediately start the next episode and hopefully can catch up with you guys soon. Have a great fall, strange indeed. Thanks, Laura. Oh, how wonderful to hear from you again. I'm glad you're enjoying and I know Laura and I were huge fans, as she mentioned, of, of Legion. And, you know, we meant, you know, I mentioned that um, Hamish Link later was on that show as well. And just something about him. I think Laura said it perfectly. Thank you, Laura, so much for um, sending us a voice message. I'm glad you're digging it. I can't wait to hear what you think about the second episode. <laughs> um, okay, so we, our final voicemail of the evening, we're going to end uh, our feedback with our good friend Steve. Yay. All right, Midnight Mass, episode two. And we basically pick up right where we left off with all the, yeah, I'm sure you're hating it, Rima. Sorry. Hey, Peggy, Rima, it's Steve. Pull <laughs> <laughs> them up and burn them. I, I mean, I, I see the point, but at the same time, whoo, that's not going to smell good. How many times has this guy said wowzers? 
I guess it would be tough to have an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on this island of such a small population, so you'd have to go off to the mainland. And this conversation between the priest and the girl in the wheelchair is kind of interesting. I like his the, the philosophy, but I'm still not on board with him. You know, the idea that everything, everywhere you've been has been leading you to where you are now. Bev Keen, that's the creepy-looking ponytail woman who was in the pantry. Yeah, I'm out too. Biologically speaking, I can't get pregnant. Hey, he's got a movie poster from Seven on his wall in his bedroom. Nice. Yeah, it would freak anybody out that staring, I think. Um, but especially, yeah, I think it would freak anybody out. <laughs> that, that is kind of a chuckle. The the the, the ex con alcoholic anonymous uh, guy gets given tickets, and the pregnant woman they give tickets to. Oh man, and now the dog. Aww. <laughs> it's a good interrogation technique by the sheriff here. And this woman is just calm and even talking about this dog that she may have killed. Can you really have an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting with just two people and one who's not an alcoholic? Okay. Somebody's on top of her house? In her house? Oh, this is just not right, man. I mean... She's in a wheelchair And you're uh, Well I guess it worked It is a TV show Can't wait I haven't listened to the first one yet But I can't wait to hear this one Thanks Steve Yeah Um, That's his patented Live steving of an episode Excellent as always Thank you Steve for thinking of me During the um, horrid animal parts And thank you Greg I forgot to thank you as well Thank you for keeping me in your thoughts About that Because yeah, (laughs) you guys know me well um, And know that that's difficult for me And for a lot of people Wow, a ton of great feedback Um, I'm thrilled that everybody's digging it um, And and has so many thoughts And intriguing theories um, to contribute I love it guys keep it coming and kudos to you if you are following along weekly so we did release the first episode and the second episode will be kind of close together we're going to fall back to our um regular schedule here in the middle and i think we are planning on doing the last two episodes um pretty close together and we're not gonna do the same time or anything but we're gonna try and do two um both of them in the same week and kind of wrap that up and um I, I just think that's a good way to kind of polish it off. I feel like the last two episodes always kind of go together a little bit. Yeah. I feel like that might be a good thing to do. So just um, to let everyone know as far as what our schedule is, I know we kind of threw everyone off as far as when we were doing episode one and then episode two, and no one was sure when to leave feedback. Um, so I apologize for any confusion, but thank you um, for taking the time to write in. Yeah. And if you leave feedback early or late or whatever, we will get to it. Just I, yeah. I will find make sure it. if it's early, we know that it, not to listen to it before we listen to that or watch that episode. Yeah. But there, there are posts for every episode because I know I try to do that with these episodes or these shows that might be fairly popular and people want to binge it and want to go ahead and get their thoughts out and maybe they'll forget what they want to say by the time we get around to it. So go find the post. Uh, they're not in order, guys. Uh, sorry, they're. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just went all over the place whenever I was putting them out there. So I apologize. Scroll down to you find the episode that you want to leave the feedback for, but they are there. Um, and then we'll get to it when we get, when we cover that episode. If um, you're, you know, wanting to leave feedback for a, a, a um, previous episode, if you're just catching up, uh, let me know. I'm happy to include it. I want to hear what you guys yeah. have to say. So 
Thank you, everyone. Um, and if you caught our bonus um, of Great British Bake Off, yes, we're covering it to an extent. We're trying to do some kind of hot takes on it. We're not devoting an entire podcast to it, although I think we had enough content for an entire podcast in that bonus mm-hmm. um, one that we did. We are going to be doing that <laughs> weekly as well, but I am putting it at the very end of the episode. So if you have zero interest in Great British Bake Off, I question what is wrong with you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but if you don't want to listen to it, um, you don't have to. If you do, just stick to the very end of um, the show and it will um, go right into it. So. That's enough for the announcements. Um, Next week, we will be covering um, the third episode um, of Midnight Mass, which is titled Book Three, Proverbs. Exciting. I hope I can have some time to watch it tonight. Yes. Um, All right. Well, we are excited that you followed us to the Crock-Pot, and we ask that you also follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Please. And speaking of great podcasts, be sure to check out Peck and Daphne on their podcast, which is called Run for Your Lives. Now, Peck, I noticed a few days ago you were you gave us a little bit of a tease, but is there anything mm-hmm. additional that you want to tell us about or what you've got uh, coming? No, not really. It's uh, okay. the same as it was. <laughs> yeah, same as it was then, but I'll, I'll uh, repeat it just so yeah people know. Um, this week, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, either you know just a few days later or whatever, on Friday, the episode will be up. We are covering uh, the 1978 George Romero, Dawn of the Dead. Sweet. And then next week we'll be covering Zack Snyder's 2004, Dawn of the Dead. It's kind of our double dip. We're nice. covering the original, then the next week the remake, and then we'll kind of compare and contrast in that second episode a little bit more as well. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to do those. So if you're a zombie fan, Dawn of the Dead is like the best way to go, and you'll get both versions back to back. So Excellent. Fun. Can't get enough zombies. <laughs> yeah. All right, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Raymond. And I'm Kate. And Eric Stipes is strange indeed.